Good morning. We are celebrating Christmas all this month, uh, and we're doing that by, we, we're, we're going uh, through uh, the Gospel of John uh, as our normal series, and, and uh, we're about at, at, at chapter 5, I think we just finished chapter 5 uh, before December, but now we've returned to the first 18 verses uh, of the Gospel of John because they're so rich, just to take some time during the Christmas season to meditate uh, on Christ's arrival. Uh, so this morning we'll be looking at verses 9 through 13. I'm going to go ahead and read those one more time since they're the focal point of the message. It says, The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Um, I've always been very particular about Christmas presents. I love Christmas presents, but I want the right present because I'm a selfish uh, sinful person. Uh, in fact, when I was a child, uh, my, my uh, mom's family would, uh, they would draw names at Thanksgiving, and, and then you would buy a gift for that person come Christmas. And so, uh, I'm talking, I'm probably eight or nine when I'm doing this. I would tear out a, a this, this kind of dates me a little bit, I would tear out a uh, page from the Sears catalog, and then I would circle the gift that I would want, and then I would leave that by the door for any of my aunts or cousins that happened to draw my name so they would know this is what I would really, really like. And rarely did it ever turn out that that's what I got. Uh, maybe they were just helping me out, helping me know that life's not fair and that it's rude to say I want this gift and only this gift will make me happy. But as... As much as, a, as I was particular and selfish about what gift I wanted to get, whatever I got, I never went back to my aunt and, and, and threw it at her and said, that's not what I wanted. And uh, I hope that none of you have ever been in a situation, we've all, if we would admit it, probably got gifts we weren't thrilled about, but I hope, I hope that few of us have ever outright rejected a gift because it wasn't to our liking well this morning we're going to look at the greatest gift that's ever been given the greatest gift that's ever been given and yet many 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 people rejected the gift and continue to reject the gift and so the main thing I want us to focus on this morning is this, that Christ, the true light, was rejected so that, so that those that believe in Him can, receive, uh, can be received into the family of God. So first we see here that Christ comes to the world. It says in verse 9, the true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. world. Now, this idea of Christ as light, we've been reflecting on that the last couple of weeks because it's, uh, John's already been building that theme 
of light, and, and John did it uh, so well with our, our children this morning. And so Christ was this light that came into the world, and we, we see here that it was a light for everyone. It says here, which gives light to everyone. This wasn't a gift. It was just coming to one nation, of, of the nation of Israel. It was a gift that was coming to the whole world. A gift that would give light to the whole world. It says He was coming into the world. He, he came. He manifested him, Himself into our world. What an opportunity, right? What an opportunity that the world was given. At this moment, the Creator who brings light to everyone was coming into a dark world to bring light. To bring light into the world, to bring light into the individual lives of the people that make up that world. A light for all the nations. What a gift. And yet, what the Savior found, what He continues to find, is rejection. Christ endured a life of rejection in the world that He created. Now, it may come as a shock to about one or two of you, but uh, I was not always the first pick on uh, the playground sports or PE sports. I wasn't always the first pick. When you pick teams, the, you know, and, and then, of course, kids are going to pick whoever's the best first. And, and I'll confess, I, I was never the first pick, actually. In fact, most of the time, I was longing not to be the last pick. I just am not coordinated, folks. Your pastor doesn't have coordination. I always waited. I figured it was just a growth spurt. It would catch up. It's never caught up. And so I was always just longing not to be the last pick because there's that rejection, right? That, that feeling that, man, I'm not enough. I'm not good enough. These people probably wouldn't want me on their team if I'm last picked, but they had to pick me. It's a horrible, horrible thing to be rejected. It hurts to not be enough in someone else's eyes. We find it, we find it sometimes in relationships and of a boy or girl that, we liked and they didn't like us back. It hurts. And yet the creator of the universe chose a life that was characterized by rejection. It says that uh, the world did not know him. The world did not know him. The world that he created, and it, and it, it specifies here, the world that he created did not know him. Isaiah 53, 2 talks about some of this rejection. For he grew up before him like a young plant and like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him and no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows, 
and acquainted with grief, and as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised, and we esteemed him not. The world was quite frankly not interested in the Son of God. Now there's probably many reasons, right? The world likes royalty and, and it likes pomp. It likes, you know, the, the world goes crazy when one of the royals over in England has a baby, right? This is amazing. This, this is, it's a, is it a boy or a girl? Who cares? They care. And even over here in the United States, there's so many that care. It's the royal family. Look at the beauty and the, and the royalness of it all. And no one cares about a baby that was born in a barn. It just had no, it had no pomp to it. It had no style to it. It was meager. The world loves power. Now, they would have accepted power. I mean, after all, they were looking for someone to overthrow uh, the government that was in charge so that Israel could be free again. They could be their own country. And so they wanted somebody to come and once again conquer the land so that they could have a free kingdom. And that is not the kingdom that Jesus was here to establish. At least not yet. He was here for a spiritual kingdom and they had no interest in any kind of spiritual kingdom. People love wealth. You know, we, we care about when someone wealthy uh, does something in the world. And yet he had no wealth. He had no place to lay his head. The good, the good thing about when I was rejected for my lack of athletic ability was it always had a people that didn't care about, maybe the PE guys cared, but I went home to a mom and a dad who did not care if I was the last or second last pick of the lineup. They didn't care. I had friends that, that found other reasons to like me than my athletic, athletic ability. So though I was rejected by some, I always had a people. I always had friends or I had family that just received me because, that, because I was theirs. Christ had no such situation. Because it says that He came to His own. Not only did the world reject Him, but He came to His own, and they would not receive Him. He came to His people, the Jews. Those people that had been entrusted with the, with the foretelling of His coming the promises of the Messiah to, to let them know, hey, He's coming. They had, they had received the alarm that He was going to one day come. And He was that promised Messiah, and yet they rejected Him. And John 10 is, a, is one of those stark instances of Christ being rejected. Jesus is in the temple, and, and the Jews crowd around Him. And in verse, 30, uh, verse 24, So the Jews said to him, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Just tell us. And so Jesus answered them, I told you, and you do not believe. 
because you are not among my sheep. So they say, we're tired of waiting. Let us know, are you Him? And He says, I've been already telling you that I'm Him. I am Him. I am the Messiah. And their response in verse 31, the Jews picked up stones again to stone Him. That was the response of His people, of the people that were supposed to receive Him as King. Those people that, were, that had been foretold of His coming, they picked up stones to kill Him. And once again, He apparently did not impress them that much. Likely because they longed for that warrior king that could win them into independence, and that's not the type of kingdom, again, that He was there to establish. And really, to also bring up another rejection that Christ faced was the rejection by His own Father. Now, obviously, the rejection that the Father gave the Son is different. It's not based upon the fact that the Son was not enough. It's not based upon the fact that the Father was not impressed with the Son. He says through the life of the Son, I am well pleased. He was pleased with His Son, absolutely. From all of eternity past, He had been pleased and He would continue to be pleased with the Son. So what am I talking about? That He was rejected by the Father. Well, I'm talking about that moment when our sins were placed upon Him. It was because of our sins, not Christ. It wasn't because of anything Christ had done. It was all because of the sins that were placed on Him because of us. Galatians 3.13 says, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. You know, as bad as being unknown by your creation is, as bad as being rejected by your people is, it had nothing, it had nothing on this moment that when our sins were placed upon Him, that the Son had to scream, My God, My God, why have You forsaken Me? He knew time and time again these moments of rejection. The innkeepers, the innkeepers' words when they said there's no room for you here. That's what Jesus heard all His life. That's what He hears from many to this day. Again and again and again, Christ faced rejection. But why? Why did He endure rejection? He endured rejection so that those who would receive Him, those who would believe Him, would not know rejection. Because God receives into His family those that receive His Son. 
We see here that salvation comes through a person. Okay, we see here in verse 12 that not all reject Him. Not all reject Him, it says in verse 12, but to all who did receive Him, who believed in His name, He gave the right to become children of God. So how does one become a child of God? I love what what John said this morning. It's, It's quite simple. According to the Scriptures, we believe, we receive Christ. We believe in Christ. And we are brought into the family of God. We become a a daughter of God or a son of God through our belief and our trust in Christ. He lists here ways that we are not, that this does not come about, that we are not brought into God's family. Who were born, verse 13, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of of man. It doesn't come by blood. This is not uh, not by blood. New birth does not come through your birthright. This is a big statement here when you consider the Old Testament and how everything was always wrapped up in, in the Jews and being a person of a certain race, which is to be a Jew. But the new birth would not be confined to a certain race. The the new birth would not come through some family lineage. It doesn't matter. Send your stuff off to 23andMe and get that report. But there's nothing in that report of what makes you up in your lineage that points to the fact that you believe in Christ. It doesn't come through your blood it does not matter who your parents or grandparents were the the the, he's saying here the, the the jewish people were not to bank on their blood right as god's chosen people it would come down to what they would do with the person of christ now i believe we see this mistake in our own day we see people especially here in the south that Hey, my my parents were amazing Christian people. My dad was a deacon. My granddad was a deacon in the Baptist church. And man, I come from a long line of Christians. And I was raised in church. I may not go there much now, but hey, I'm, I'm part of that heritage. I'm okay with God. And, and, and it says here that no, you're not okay. It doesn't matter if you come from a long line of Christians. It's what... It it, it says here, you must personally believe in His name. You cannot be born again into the family of God because you were born into a Christian family. At some point, that family faith must become your faith. So we're not born again by by the will of blood. We're not born out of the will of the flesh. We cannot work ourselves into the good graces of God. We cannot work ourselves into the family of God. 
We will, uh, the flesh, if we try to, to get there in the flesh, will always fail. Because here's the reality. We're standing on a far shore of sin, of depravity, of rebellion. We're on this shore. And, and God is on the other shore of holiness, of perfection, of goodness. And the reality is, is that we can jump in and try to swim that void try to swim that channel and man some people man they just they sink like a rock they just start off making terrible decisions and and man they sink like a rock in moral in, in morality and in immorality others man they, they get a little farther away from the shore trying to pull themselves up by their bootstrap try to make it a little farther and they, they go a little farther and still others may, man, they just throw everything they can at living a moral life of just in the flesh alone, just, just trying to be good enough. And man, they may get pretty far by, the, by man's standards. But the reality is, is that they're going to sink before even getting in sight of the holiness of God, God's holy standard. We all, as the Scriptures say, fall short. There are so many people who think in their flesh they can earn the birthright as, the, as a child of God. That if, man, just somehow, if my good can outweigh my bad, then I'll get through the gates. That's, that's, a, that's a belief by many. And yet, we're told in Romans 3.20, for by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight since through the law comes knowledge of sin you cannot cannot be born again by working at it and we're not born again out of the will of man we're not born into the family of god by the will of man man cannot will himself into the kingdom you cannot will your kids in the family of God. You can't, you can't will your kids to be saved. Apart from the working of the Holy Spirit, no man even desires to be born again. We are born again from the will of God. It is not by your blood, the sweat of your brow, or your will, you are brought into God's family by the work of God. Philippians 2.13 says, For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for His good pleasure. It is not by your blood that you will be brought into the family of God. It is by the blood of Christ covering you that you will be brought into the family of God. It is not by you working harder and being more moral that will bring you into the family of God. It's you trusting in the One who perfectly kept God's law. Who swam that channel for you. It is not by the will of man. It is by the will of God in Christ. In, God's, in Christ's will to give Himself for us on the cross. So in short, just to wrap it all up, I want to say this. 
Christ was rejected so that we might be received. Christ was rejected by the world. Christ was rejected by his own people. And in one moment, Christ was even rejected by his Father in heaven because of our sin. He did all that so that we who believe, who receive Christ as our Savior, who trust in Him, will never know rejection. Yeah, we'll know rejection on the playground when people don't pick us. We'll know rejection when uh, what it's like to be rejected when you pass a note to a girl in class, circle yes or no if you like me. We may experience that. We may at, at times experience all different types of, for, of forms of rejection in this world, but there is no ultimate rejection for those who are in Christ Jesus because when we stand before the Heavenly Father, we stand before Him as sons and daughters of God through Christ. We're His. We belong to Him. We are in His family because we have trusted in Christ. Not trusted anything not our blood not our works but we've trusted in christ and christ alone i'm going to ask for our musicians to come and i'm going to ask for you to stand and i'm going to pray that you will respond to god's word however he has spoken you to you through his word this morning let's pray Dear Heavenly Father, God, we thank You for Christ and the rejection that He endured so that those who believe in Him might not know rejection. God, thank You. Thank You for Christ. And God, I pray that if there's anyone here who's trusted in the wrong things, their family heritage, or their own works, or whatever they're trusting in, they might realize that they need Christ. They need to fling themselves on Christ and Christ alone. God, we pray that you would move in our hearts this morning and help us to worship and love the one rejected so that we might be received. In Jesus' name I pray.